Chris, mm. I'm very excited to talk about Lobo in this episode. Oh, yeah? Why is that? Well, you know, he's a bounty hunter. Yeah. Well, I see myself as as a bounty hunter of sorts. I hunt for comics. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Do you use any cool items to hunt with? Well, I have my computer, my phone. I got some apps. Sure. Do you always find your targets? If they meet my criteria for condition and price, yeah. Do you have an affinity for flying space dolphins? I mean, I do volunteer at the space dolphin shelter. Oh, then yeah, you're a bounty hunter. Welcome to Comic Book Keepers, where we talk about comic book characters, their history, and their impact on our lives. I'm Chris. And I'm Lance. And today, we're talking about Lobo. Uh, we we wanted to continue the spooky October season. We had another character planned, but certain guests weren't able to make it on, so we pivoted, we jumped on a space dolphin, and we landed on Lobo. Uh, yeah. You know, he's he's creepy enough. He's he's spooky enough to be a he's Halloween. Got, got a creepy character. looking, you know, face style kind of look. So, yeah, it's 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 sort of sort of tangentially in a space way sort of fits into our spooky Halloween. <laughs> we'll get we'll get to the other character at some point. Like he's super pale. He looks like a ghost. Yeah. Yeah. So anyway, rock and roll um, ghost. I'm very excited to talk about Lobo and. We should mention that it, this is very timely because one of the creators of Lobo, Keith Giffen, passed away earlier this month. So we're doing this. We thought this would be not only a great character that we wanted to talk about for a while and read, honestly, for a while, because I haven't read a lot of Lobo and or any <laughs> previous to this. Um, but when Keith Giffen passed away, you know, we, we had done an episode on Rocket Raccoon and and uh, we learned a little bit about him. And so this this was one of the other characters that he created. And and we were just like, OK, well, this will this will this is a kind of fitting tribute to like revisit one of his most well-known, well-loved and bizarre characters that uh, exists. Yeah. And like Keith Giffen has created so many iconic characters, some that additional ones that we are going to mention in this episode, but it's, it's always nice to remember those creators that have given so much of themselves and provided such interesting characters for us to enjoy for years and years after their own passing, which in turn, you know, makes them eternal. We always get mm -hmm. to things that they provided for us. And that's one of the coolest things about this medium is so many great creators that are no longer with us still are in a way with us forever. Yeah. And I think Lobo, as we'll come to discover, uh, was really associated with Giffen because he just, he got to work on this character for uh, over 20 years. Like, like it, it, it was a really long time over various titles and, and co-wrote and main wrote and even drew, you know, like, this character over and over again. So even though it was owned by DC, it, he was really kind of given, I want to say free reign, or at least like a lot of leeway <laughs> to do some really crazy things with this crazy character. So 
it, it's interesting to see like a mainstream published character have almost like an indie approach, uh, which which you don't see too much. Uh, it, 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 I almost thought it was a Vertigo book. Like it was it was mm, kind of that yeah. that creator owned kind of almost British uh, approach. And I was like, this, this, it, it just doesn't seem like it's DC for a bit, but then it, it fits along the lines more of like judge dread and, and stuff like that. You know, it kind of totally. has that, that weird mentality, but it's interesting to see how it all fits in. But yeah. So let's jump over to the bio. Let's chat about the main man Lobo. Lobo is a character from DC Comics created by Keith Giffen and Roger Slifer. The anti-hero, sometimes villain, is an intergalactic bounty hunter who never misses his mark. With hair metal dreadlocks, chalk white skin, and red eyes, this immortal and unstoppable space biker is feared and respected across the galaxy. He's gone toe-to-toe with Superman, committed genocide against his entire planet, but he also has a love for space dolphins. He's a soft spot for, you know, those aquatic... Mammals? Yeah. Mammals. I'll say mammals. They are. <laughs> Since his cult popularity in the 1990s, Lobo has become a fan favorite of readers and creators alike. Yeah, and his publication history is kind of all over the place because he's had more miniseries than anything. So instead many. Of, instead of ongoing series. And I think he has had more appearances in other books than his own titles. Hmm. But we're going to get into it. So he first appeared in Omega Men 3 in June 1983. Omega Men is a sort of spin-off from Teen Titans and Green Lantern series. He first showed up in as kind of a villain. We'll talk about that a little bit later in Origins. After a few guest appearances in Justice League International, he was a series regular in Legion. That's L E G I O N and rebels all spelled out <laughs> with little periods in between who knew uh, that he was a star wars character crazy yeah, no no not that rebels not that rebels and not sure. that legion um a different rebels and legion uh, uh space space legion and space well not that space rebels but you know what i mean <laughs> in 1990 he was featured in a four issue miniseries lobo the last zarnian plotted by giffen writer uh, written by alan grant an art by Simon Bisley, changing his origin story, which, again, we'll go over a little bit later. Because, you know, DC. Yeah, because DC. Lobo got his own self-titled series from 1993 to 1999, lasting 64 issues. Through the 90s and the 2000s, he also popped up in pages of Guy Gardner, Green Lantern, Starman, more Legion, and many, many more. Okay, I... I have to say this right here. I feel like after reading the Lobo stories that I have, he would immediately kill Guy Gardner. Guy Gardner is the most <laughs> annoying Green Lantern ever. Yeah, it's a it's it, it's it's a very uh, bromance relationship, I guess. I don't know. I don't I didn't get to read a lot of Guy Gardner and Lobo stuff, but it kind of makes me want to. So he also had a run of featured miniseries, including Lobocop, a Robocop parody. Need to read that immediately. Blazing Chains of Love, where he goes to a harem planet. Uh, Paramilitary Christmas special in which he is hired by the Easter Bunny to kill Santa Claus. 
Infanticide, a storyline where many of his illegitimate children are teaming up to kill him and he ends up killing all of them. Uh, the Convention Special, a send up of comic book conventions and the Un-American Gladiators in which, you guessed it, he joins the American Gladiators. Oh my gosh, I want to read all of these <laughs> so badly. So a very sort of unconventional character that you can tell that creators have had a lot of fun with and get to sort of ride the line and break the fourth wall quite a bit. Remind us of any other characters that we've talked about, Lance? Yeah, I, I honestly, when I was reading the Lobo series, I was like, this really feels like a Deadpool book. Yeah, and yeah. I I was in from the get-go uh -huh. with what I read. I absolutely love this character. I, I've oh, This is pre-Deadpool. I absolutely i've loved lobo's design for a very long time i think he is such a cool looking character and you mentioned it earlier it's a character that both of us have been wanting to read for quite some time and honestly this is a character that i very much have already like because we we have dc infinite that's what's called right dc yeah. infinite yep and i've already like started marking his various series that i'm going to read <laughs> now because yeah. i need more it is such a He's such a great character and his stories are so much fun. Yeah. Continuing his publication history. So in 2000, he had a magical, let's say, accident that turned him into a teenager. And he joins the Young Justice for a brief time as Lil Lobo. Well, in the early in the early 2000s, every yeah, buddy I mean, was called a, Lil a, something. A Lil something. Uh, so in 2003, he returned in a comic form with Lobo Unbound, uh, the miniseries where Keith Giffen returned to write. He appeared in various issues of 52, part of the new 52, Reign in Hell, in which many heroes go down to hell because they've tried to figure out who's in charge. And the one person that's in the jail cell in hell, Lobo. Great. Uh, he's part of the Brightest Day storyline, and he's also part of uh, Rebels again. Then DC gives Rob Liefeld the Deathstroke title, a character that Rob Liefeld himself based Deadpool off of <laughs> in the 90s. And in the second chapter of the Deathstroke title that Rob Liefeld writes and draws, he turns Lobo into a very unlikable human trafficker. So he's like taking girls and women and human trafficking them and, and Deathstroke is trying to hunt Lobo just kind of like takes the character and says like nope he's a terrible person and he kind of writes him seriously and not funny mm. so nobody likes that and <laughs> and soon after that Colin Bunn who we've talked about before Ooh, Colin Bunn revamps Lobo into a new younger sexy Lobo <laughs> he's, he's got shorter hair he's thinner he's less he's kind of lean he's kind of uh athletic looking and it turns out that the Liefeld Lobo was just using his name but not the real Lobo and this new Lobo is the real Lobo and the first issue starts with the this new young Lobo has cut off the Liefeld Lobo's head and he's talking to him and he ends up like torching it and jeez that is that is an an amazing way of <laughs> nice of, commentary. <laughs> of ch yes, but clearly showing like people aren't the biggest fans of this version. So we're just going to kill it off and say it was never that actual character. In 2017, the 90s Lobo 
version returns in the pages of Justice League America as part of Batman's extremist Justice League. We find Lobo, he's in Bell Rev, the, the prison. I don't know how he ended up on Earth, but like he's, he's there and he's got a chip in his head. And it, because, of course, he does, because Amanda Waller is, you know, that's what that's what she does. And it's it's I didn't read the whole storyline, but I just read like a little synopsis. And it's pretty interesting because Batman is is like trying to fight possessed members of the Justice League. And he uses some of the Suicide Squad to try to fight him. And Lobo has been possessed, but he ends up using the bomb in his head to blow up his head knowing that he's going to regenerate and without the uh, possessed part. he's like, OK, um, I need you to join the Justice League. <laughs> so he kind of like <laughs> inducts him in along with a bunch of other kind of th- the characters that are not, you know, possessed and everything. And he joins the Justice League for a while. Um, and then recently he's appeared as an unlikely savior in the deceased storyline, which I did not read. But apparently, I, I picked up the first trade of deceased at San Diego, San Diego Comic Con and actually got a quick sketch inside from Tom Taylor. Oh, there you go. In the past, he's also appeared in cross company interactions with characters like The Mask, Judge Dredd, The Authority, and even the JLA Avengers crossover, in which he has a wonderful tussle with the character that he was based off of as a parody, Wolverine. Alrighty, we've talked publication history, so let's get a little bit more into the origin of Lobo. Which, of course, DC, gonna have multiple origins. <laughs> yeah. The uh, first appearance in Omega Men saw Lobo as a villainous purple-haired bounty hunter wearing a purple and orange jumpsuit. At the time, he was a Valorpian whose entire race had been exterminated by Scions. He was hired by the Citadel with another bounty hunter, Bedlam, to capture Kalista, one of the Omega Men sorceresses. He later killed Bedlam and was called on by the Omega Men for assistance. He fell out of use in DC Comics until a few years later after Crisis on Infinite Earths when he was brought back as a more gruff-looking space biker bounty hunter. Then his origin was retconned for him to be from planet Zarnia. As a toddler, he rode a big wheel with guns, then took on the leather jacket look. At age 16, he had killed half the population of the planet, and by 17, he unleashed a plague of flying scorpions killing the rest of the planet because he had a science project on which they gave him an A. He gave himself an A. Oh, right. He gave himself an A. That's right. He became a bounty hunter to earn money to feed his pet space dolphins. His new origin featured him taking a job from Manga Khan to kill the Justice League in exchange for a 10-year supply of space dolphin treats. As you do. Yeah, of course. <laughs> you make your sacrifices for your pets, Chris. Yeah, you know, I, I can relate to that. I think it's the whole space dolphin thing that really makes the genocide easier to swallow, but not by much, but no. a little bit. <laughs> you got, you got to give him like a, you gotta give him a something. ray of hope. There's a silver lining to Lobo. Yes, yes. Now let's learn a little bit about the character himself. So his real name is actually unpronounceable in native Zarnian. We we can't say it. It's just it's too hard. He is known as Lobo. 
he is also known as the main man, the bow, super bow, master frag, the last Zarnian, Mr. Machete, scourge of the cosmos, the ultimate bastich, machete man, El Cazadores, the Lord of Death and Lil Lobo. That was his uh, remix name. Powers and abilities include superhuman physical abilities, expert marksman and hand-to-hand combatant, regeneration, immortality, invulnerability. He's an expert tracker. If he's actually met a person just once, he's able to trace them anywhere in the galaxy. He's rumored to do this by tuning into that person's aura or vibrations. His species has the ability to regenerate their entire bodies from a drop of blood. He has expert combat tactical awareness. He's able to instantly size up any opponent and find their weakness. He's multilingual. By his own account, he can speak 17,897 languages across the galaxy. He has genius level intellect. Despite his violent appearance, he's able to create viruses and antidotes, is a master mechanical engineer and expert tactician. He can survive in the vacuum of space and can hold his breath for days. Weaknesses include, you know, a moral code. While he will not break a contract, he has to be careful about the wording to not allow for loopholes. He's vulnerable to toxins. He's greedy. He has an unpredictable temper. Uh, Among the plethora of (laughs) weapons that he uses, they include his signature weapon, the gutting hook, which is just a massive hook on a titanium metal chain, frag grenades. For a while, he wielded a red power ring. He has many, many guns, knives, and blades. He has lots of things to maim, murder, and destroy. He's often seen traveling on his intergalactic space hog, the Spazfrag 666. All right. Affiliations include Justice League, Legion, that's L-E-G-I-O-N, Young Justice, the Church of the Triple Fish God, Rebels, Suicide Squad, the Red Lantern Corps. Supporting characters include Dog, a bulldog named Dog, Jonas Glim, Guy Gardner, Crush, his daughter, (laughs) Bueno Excelente, who may be his not legal husband, (laughs) Slobo, a clone of his, Al, the owner of the space truck stop that Lobo often goes to, and Darlene, the waitress that he often flirts with. Antagonists include Vril Dox, the Omegas, Goldstar, his daughter Crush, <laughs> kind of an antagonist, his fourth grade teacher, Miss Trib, Superman, Etrigan the Demon, hates Etrigan, and Captain Comet. He just despises everything about Captain Comet. <laughs> I I just want to read all the stories of Lobo just getting frustrated by other comic book characters. Yeah. <laughs> Alrighty. Well, we we know more about Lobo, but let's learn a little bit more about the creators. Let's go into the archives. Lobo was created by writer Roger Slifer and writer artist Keith Giffen. Slifer spent most of his youth in Morristown, Indiana. It was in Indiana where his comic career began as a member of a collection of amateur comic enthusiasts from around the region. This group referred to themselves as the CPL Gang, publishing fanzines, which included contemporary pictorial literature, CPL, Hmm. and Charlton Bullseye, which highlighted Charlton Comics. The group was founded by Roger Stern, who would go on to co-create characters like Hobgoblin, Monica Rambeau, very 
relevant for upcoming film right now, the Marvels. The West Coast Avengers, Eradicator, the quarterly Superman series, Superman, the Man of Tomorrow, as well as Bob Layton being the other founder of this group, who is a legend in the industry, but he did a ton of stuff for Marvel and is also the co-founder of Valiant Comics. The CPL gang included a plethora of talent who would break into the comic industry, including John Byrne. In mid-1970, Slifer began freelance work for Marvel Comics and by the late 1970s was an assistant editor as well as writing The Defenders. Interestingly enough, he also became a colorist. Slifer eventually took on the role of special projects for Marvel's parent company, overseeing comic magazines like The Rampaging Hulk, Marvel Classic Comics, and playing a part in film adaptations. Slifer took his talents to DC in 1981, serving as the company's first sales manager to comic book specialty stores. His work on comics was sporadic at this time in his career due to various roles and responsibilities. However, he did work on Omega Men alongside artist Keith Giffen. Normally, this is where I would take the time to pivot and start talking about Keith Giffen, our our artist for this particular issue. However, I think it's really important that we continue just a little bit further into Slifer's career. He left DC and began work at Sunbow Entertainment, who has ties to Marvel Comics and Marvel Publications. He became supervising producer, story editor, and writer for the animated program Gem and the Holograms. Robin Guido from Dear Watchers will love that. That's truly, truly, truly outrageous. Yes, very much so. He went on to produce and story edit for many major animated series, including G.I. Joe Extreme, My Little Pony and Friends, Transformers, Street Fighter, Conan the Adventurer, and Bucky O'Hare. He even co-produced the first season of Yu-Gi-Oh! for Fox Kids in the U.S. And just throwing this out there, Slifer is the name, like Slifer the Sky Dragon. That is a Yu-Gi-Oh! character. Is there a connection there? I don't Uh know. Probably. Now, this is partly why I wanted to continue talking about Slifer. Sadly, in 2012, he was involved in a hit and run while he was walking, leaving him severely injured. He had broken ribs, broken collarbone, shoulder, and required the removal of a portion of his skull. He was placed in a medically induced coma while at the Ronald Reagan UCLA Medical Center. The SLIFER, the Society for Legal Investigative and Financial Empowerment and Recovery, was created shortly after the incident, trying to assist the investigation to bring the individual who hit Slifer to justice while also providing updates on his medical condition, as well as help the Hero Initiative raise money for his legal case and medical care. His condition improved while at the Barlow Respiratory Hospital in in L.A., emerging from his coma. But sadly, Slifer passed away on March 30th, 2015. That's the reason why I wanted to include this is just because along with his career, I think it's really important to show that or just to highlight that something horrific really happened to him and he wasn't able to have the full uh, or continuing career that he should have had. But I I just wanted to include that here. Yeah. Now, we actually covered artist Keith Giffen during our issue on Rocket Raccoon, but here are just some of his career highlights. Keith Giffen, like many other comic greats, was born in New York, specifically in Queens. His first published work was a black and white story called The Sword and the Star in Marvel Preview No. 4 in January of 1976 alongside writer Bill Mantlo. Giffen and Mantlo would co-create Rocket Raccoon in issue 7 of Marvel Preview, which released in the summer of 1976. Giffen went on to illustrate and later write a significant run on the Legion of Superheroes in the 1980s. In December 1982, 
Giffen created a wannabe hero ambush bug, and more notably, Lobo, alongside Roger Slifer. He co-created the Justice League International series in 1987 with J.M. DeMatisse and Kevin McGuire. The success of that humorous title led to the spinoff of Justice League Europe. Giffen and DeMatisse worked together on Justice League for five years and would end their run in 1992. The duo reunited in 2003 for the formerly known as the, Ju- the Justice League miniseries and again in 2005 for I Can't Believe It's Not the Justice League, <laughs> which we had previously discussed in our Booster Gold issue with Zach from uh, the Comics That We Love podcast. Among Giffen's co-creations, aside from Lobo and Rocket Raccoon, he also created or co-created The Heckler, Dream Slayer, Amazing Man, Everyman, Jack of Hearts, Nick Fury's Howling Commandos, Maxwell Lord, Jaime Reyes, a.k.a. the third Blue Beetle, and many, many more. Wow. That's that's a good list. Yeah. So, sadly, we no longer have either of the co-creators of Lobo with us, but I can happily say that this character now means so much to me, and their work will not go forgotten, and I plan on buying many, many Lobo trade paperbacks now. Yeah, and, and it's it's really nice to see a character like Rocket, who, gosh, like twenty years ago was was a was a throwaway character. Yeah, <laughs> and, absolutely. And after the success of the Guardians comics and the, the, the obviously the movies and his portrayal and just like the the love that they've given that character, like it's it's really cool to see like that character. If a character is given a lot of good attention and written well, and and uh, it, it's it can it can bring them back, you know, like it can give them a lot of, uh, well, it's, it's fun to see something like that. So, yeah. And we're going to get to this in a little bit, but Lobo might yeah. be getting that treatment very, very yep. soon. For sure. All right. Well, are you ready for some random facts? I love random facts. Hit me. <laughs> okay. Well, Lobo is a man of his word. If Lobo makes you a promise or a contract, he'll keep that promise. Lobo's most used exclamation is, Fetal's giz, which is short for fetal's gizzard. I don't know what it means, but apparently it's really offensive. His favorite color is sepulcher black, which is the color that he describes his hair. But later his hair is colored in his gray. So, you know, he has a pod of space dolphins that he takes care of. We've talked about that. Yes. He was banned from both heaven and hell, which is why technically he's immortal. I love it. <laughs> in a 1990s DC versus Marvel crossover, he had a bar fight with Wolverine, and it was a fan voted outcome. And who won? Wolverine. Uh, ironically, Lobo was partly created as a satire of characters like Wolverine. Lobo's name roughly translates to he who devours your entrails and thoroughly enjoys it. Yeah. He has had thousands of illegitimate children. <laughs> who all came together to kill him and then he killed them. Stan Lee declared that the DC character he wished he had come up with the most was Lobo and admitted to being a huge fan. That's incredible. I love yeah, that. That's that's high praise right there. Very much so. <laughs> I love Lobo. He's amazing. <laughs> Excelsior. Yeah. In a 2006 interview, Keith Giffen said, I have no idea why Lobo took off. I came up with it as as an indictment of the Punisher Wolverine hero prototype, and somehow he cut on as the high violence poster boy. Go figure. 
He later stated that both Lobo and Ambush Bug were derived from Lunatic, a character he created in high school. I, I think I read also that because we, we mentioned it before. Lobo had one particular look. And then when they revamped him, they mm-hmm. gave him this like grungy, yeah. edgy style. Very like late it was, 80s, 90s yeah, kind of. But it was meant to be like a joke on all those other yeah. characters. Yeah. But rather than rather than it just coming off as this like joke, all the people that were obsessed with that style of character brought him in and then just blew up the character. Yeah. They're like, OK, well, we got to we got to roll with this. <laughs> Lobo's last story was already published in 1998 when DC did a series of one millionth issues. This portrayed Lobo as an obese, white-haired carnival worker who would scare the attendees and steal their money. (laughs) But a, a mysterious client hires him to get back in shape for one more job. It turns out to be Darlene, the waitress, who just wants to see Lobo in his prime again. Adorable. Lobo's comic also had a letter column, which Lobo himself responded to. He's just breaking fourth walls left and right. Yeah, that's that's it's got Deadpool written all over it. Oh, absolutely. We've come to the poll list, and I know each one of us has had uh, a chance to read some Lobo. Probably not as much as we want to, but but what what is your uh, from what you've read, what's your recommendation, Lance? I'm going with the Lobo miniseries from 1990. It's four issues, one through four. You can also find it in a trade paperback called Portrait of a Bastiche. Is that how you say that? Bastiche? I read it as Bastiche, but... Bastiche, whatever. Because it's kind of like bastard and the uh, B yes. word. <laughs> yes. Portrait <laughs> Mixed of Mixed together. Bast- <laughs> yes, makes sense. Okay, Portrait of a Bastiche. But that also includes... Uh, the four issues of Lobo is back. So Lobo's if you can find back, that yeah. great, it's just a collection of everything. I actually have ordered that trade paperback, but it is now lost in LA somewhere and the yeah. tracking hasn't updated. So we'll see when it shows up, but I read it digitally uh, on DC infinite mm-hmm. and I absolutely loved this book. It is written by Keith Giffen, Ellen Grant and penciled by Simon Bisley. It is a wild story of Lobo basically being contracted to find a, a particular individual who he doesn't know who it is yet. And he's hired by uh, Vil Drax, who is one of the characters that he absolutely despises that works for Legion. Mm-hmm. And he shows up to find this individual that he is charged with bringing back to Legion. And it turns out to be his fourth grade teacher, his his true nemesis in all of comicdom, yeah, Mrs. Trib. It's so good. So Mrs. Trib, and she is just this crotchety woman. So she is basically. They find out that there now are two remaining Zarnians in the entire universe, and Lobo can't kill her because we've already mentioned he's a man of his word. He has to fulfill this promise that he made to Vril Drax or Vril Dox. And they start on this journey to come back, but Vril, Vril Docs has these plans in place to have Lobo just piss off all these different groups. There is this huge plan that is going on that I don't even want to get into because it's so much fun to see it unfold. But Lobo and uh, Miss Trip just go on like all these side adventures while she wants to do things and he's just getting really annoyed by her. 
and they go to like this party planet and he just starts chaos basically saying whoever's left on this planet by this amount of time I'm going to just massacre all of you <laughs> so everyone starts freaking out and chaos ensues it's such a great story the ending is so lobo I I cannot describe how great it is yeah the art is fantastic the writing is so good I I cannot express how much fun I had reading this book and uh, I think all of our listeners, if, if you're a fan of dark humor, if you like the Deadpool side of things in comics, you will definitely also very much like Lobo as a character if you have not read Lobo. Yeah, it's definitely dark humor. Uh, it, the art reminded me a lot of like, like I mentioned earlier, kind of like the the British, um, you know, Judge Dredd, uh, sort of, uh, almost like, almost like Sandman kind of look, like kind of sketchy and unrefined. It's definitely not your '90s muscled superhero kind of look. It, it, it has a little bit more of a, uh, an artistic cartoonishness to it because everything's really blown out. And oh, Chris, yeah, it's funny you mentioned that is because Simon Bisley did art for Sandman. Oh, well, there you go. There you go. <laughs> I mean, that makes a lot of sense. Um, so, <laughs> well, that that's cool. I, I read that as well. And I it, it took me a, a little bit to get into it. I was like, ah, this is this is all over the place. But uh, it, but it was it was really fun. And, and I think it is it is a dark humor story. And if you like dark humor and and just wacky out there and he agrees he's not going to kill miss trib but he sure kills a whole lot of other people so <laughs> i mean he God does not hold back in uh you know they make fun of like bikers and like southern stereotypes and like they, there's space bikers that are hunting him and there's all these like upper crust kind of people that love watching torture you know at, at an at an opera that they do like live torture and so he tortures a bunch of people and gets a big standing ovation <laughs> just it's ridiculous it's brilliant well, speaking of ridiculous, I i mean, I think every Lobo story is going to be ridiculous, but my recommendation is Lobo Unbound. This is a 2003 story where Keith Giffen comes back to write Lobo after not writing him for a couple of years. And it's written by Keith Giffen with art by Alex Hurley and Byron Vaughn. So in this story, Lobo, very meta, is trying to get back his 90s cred with with. And there's characters like Bling Bling the Hip Hop Ho and uh, and Ambush Bug uh, also makes uh, some uh, appearances as well. And it's very graphic, mad magazine sort of style paintings. It's all beautifully painted, although there's some sections like when Ambush Bug show up, uh, when Ambush Bug shows up, it's it changes the art style drastically to this very like line heavy flat color. And then when, when it switches back to Lobo, it like starts, it's, it's all painted again. So they're, they're clearly like doing some really fun stuff here. And it, it's just, it's violent, very much mature audiences. Like even says like for mature audiences, very inappropriate portrayed scantily clad women and, and, and entrails and everything just, um, that if if you're okay with with all of that then uh then you will enjoy this this is definitely like the adult lobo that uh, that uh, i think a lot of people kind of identify with so they 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 this was right after the lil lobo storyline <laughs> i think a lot of people were like let's get back to violent lobo and this is definitely um 
it's a it's a five it, no it's a six issue mini series called Lobo Unbound. Um, it's also on DC Infinite, and uh, I definitely recommend it because the the artwork is beautiful. It's it's so it yeah it's the painting and everything is and style is it's really fun, but it's also like cartoony and and uh, really stylized. So I definitely recommend it. Nice. Yeah, I have that on my list, too. I am probably reading that one next. Well, yeah. we are to our Grail find section, but Chris, I know you don't have a Grail for Lobo. I don't. I even looked, but I couldn't yeah. find anything. I have a Grail lost in the mail because the <laughs> trade paperback. <laughs> a mail Grail. <laughs> yeah, mail Grail. Uh, but yeah, that the book that I bought is a trade paperback of the 1990 Lobo and then Lobo's back run. It's a little bit harder to find, so it's a little bit above uh, cover price for it. Not Nothing insane, but it's a little bit more, and I found it for a great price. So hopefully I have the grail in my possession at some point. But uh, let's just move straight into adaptations. What's with all the long faces, Justice Dweebs? The answer to all your problems has arrived. You can call me Lobo. Yeah. Okay. So I have to say in, in all the adaptations uh, coverage that we've done, I have never had a character with so many proposed adaptations that just didn't happen. <laughs> like <laughs> Lobo has had so many, like he's had a lot of adaptations, mostly in animation and some video games, which we'll talk about, but there's a lot that were like, and this would have happened, but it did not happen. So <laughs> It's it's very interesting. All right. So I'm going to actually start with video games. So there was a produced like mostly made Lobo game for Super Nintendo and Sega Genesis in 1996. A six page preview of the game with screenshots was even published in Nintendo Power. But the game was canceled. And then uh, there was only like kind of a uh, I don't know what they call it, like a like a test version that was on Sega Genesis, but you couldn't even buy it. It was like kind of like this like ROM that was kind of floating around out there for a mm, while. But interesting. Um, so if you have that, good for you. Um, in 2003, a PS2 and Xbox game was also in development. But guess what? It was ultimately canceled. <laughs> um, he was a playable DLC in the Injustice Gods Among Us game. So he eventually did make it into a video game for animation. And this is kind of as many as with many DC characters, my first uh, foray into seeing Lobo. Same. Uh, he appeared in Superman, the animated series and later appeared in Justice League, brilliantly voiced by Brad Garrett. So and good. it's such a fun. <laughs> it's such a fun. And uh, I, one of my, if not the favorite uh, portrayal of Lobo, even though they take away his hook and he's not violent, you know, he only fights with his fist and everything. But it's he's just fun, like and seeing like how he interacts with the Justice League. I love the story where like Superman's supposedly dead and like Lobo comes in. He's like, I'm here to replace Superman. I heard he kicked the bucket. The main man is going to join the Justice League. <laughs> just like, OK, wonderful voice. Um, he's also appeared in Justice League action, Young Justice, kind of a cameo. Uh, he was in DC Superhero Girls. You just have to see it to believe it. There was a brief discussion of a kid's WB spinoff series from his character from uh, the Bruce Tim like Superman anime series, but it did not happen. Uh, Lobo appeared in 
DC animated movies, Superman, Man of Tomorrow and Justice League War World. He's been voiced by legendary voice actors such as John DiMaggio, Ryan Hurst, Fred Tatasciore, Kevin Michael Richardson and Tom Kenny, SpongeBob himself. Oh, interesting. <laughs> he was he, uh, DC Superhero Girls. Uh, Tom Kenny did the voice of him. He has been portrayed in live action twice. One of them officially, one of them unofficially, but it's it's worth a watch uh, in TV. Pretty recently in season two of Krypton, Lobo was portrayed by Emmett Scanlon. There was talk of a spinoff series, but that did not happen because Krypton was canceled. You don't say. Yeah, it, it didn't happen. It just added to the pile of, of bodies of Lobo projects that didn't happen. I want a comic yeah. that is Lobo going off and finding all the people that canceled all of his projects. You said you were going to make this project. <laughs> Where's my video game? Yeah. Now I saw, I haven't seen Krypton, but I saw some clips, you know, doing the research and Emmett Scanlon, you know, he, he clearly has done some research. He's done a lot of like, you know, he has a cool look. He has kind of a weird, like he gave him a sort of a weird Romanian accent you know, whatever. So it's it's a it's a portrayal. He gets to portray him. A lot of people were like, oh, who's this? And and it ultimately just introduced the character to new new people. But uh, going back a bit in 2002, Scott Leberecht directed a short film adaptation of the Lobo paramilitary Christmas special as part of the American Film Institute's director studies program. So it's basically like a director graduate program. And this guy <laughs> Scott Leberecht decided, hey, I'm going to do a live action adaptation of this short comic <laughs> miniseries in which uh, Lobo is hired by the Easter Bunny to kill Santa Claus. <laughs> and he's portrayed by Andrew Brynarski, uh, who stars as Lobo. And it's on YouTube. If you want to just look up uh, Lobo paramilitary Christmas special, it's 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 there. I watched it. It's about like 20 minutes like a, like a Christmas special usually is and it's uh I think it's actually better than the Krypton <laughs> version like he he you know it's pretty it looks like it was recorded with really like the, the budget was only like two thousand dollars or something like that it was like really low but uh it's it's fun like you can tell they they had a lot of fun and like as soon as they announced that they were making it a lot of like creators and stuff you know this is pre- kickstarter and gofundme and stuff like that like they got support from people who were like yeah you're making a logo project heck yeah i'm in and then they gave him money and stuff um as far as live action feature films lobo has not had a live action feature feature film but he sure had a lot of proposed live action feature films in 2009 guy Ritchie was attached to direct but left the project to work on the sherlock holmes sequel so later, Dwayne Johnson was then in talks to star with Joel Silver producing, but left the project to work on Black Adam. After the success of Deadpool, Michael Bay was attached to direct the film in 2018. But ultimately, that did not happen. So but recently, Lance, yeah. after the DCU announcement from James Gunn and Peter Safran, there was a cryptic social media post from Jason Momoa stating he was very excited after some very good news with Warner Brothers. He said, quote, one of my dreams come true will be happening under their watch. So stay tuned. And while nothing Lobo has been announced in the DCU project lineup, it's possible, very possible 
Momoa has said in social media posts and interviews, he's a huge Lobo fan. He loves reading Lobo. And it's possible Momoa's Lobo could show up in the Superman Legacy because who else is showing up in Superman Legacy? Frequent ally Guy Gardner, who is going to be played by Nathan Fillion. So in a few years, we'll see. We'll see. We know that Lobo goes up against Superman uh, many times. He's a he's a fun kind of character that that if they threw in as a as like a little thing at the end or like he fights him at some point, like I could totally see James Gunn having some fun with it. And like, it'd be a nice way to uh, spin that off. And it, it makes sense that they're not going to announce anything until Aquaman, the, the lost kingdom comes out and he's done playing that character because otherwise it'd be very, very confusing. Right. So that's our adaptations that that's the uh, nuts and bolts of what happened and what didn't happen. A lot of what didn't happen. Yeah, a lot of what didn't happen. But it, but I thought it was fun to just say like, well, we could have had this, but that that wasn't a thing. This is where I would have my Lobo video game if I had one. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, I think Momoa is a perfect choice to play Lobo. He is Lobo. Like he looks so He's much more Lobo like than Aquaman. I mean, let's be honest. It's... I agree. Yeah. But like I I don't mind Momoa's Aquaman. I just think. Lobo is such a better fit for his like chaotic nature that he has. And the video of him freaking out as he leaves the office yeah. of, from James Gunn to Peter Safran is amazing. It's so much fun. So if you haven't seen that, just look it up, but I am very excited for that to happen. I'm pretty sure it will happen. And speaking about weird things happening with characters, let's go to our strangest segment. Each issue we do at Nerds Do Best, we share our fever dream concepts for the comics that we love. And this week, we decided to ask, what if Lobo was in a race to capture any comic character of our choice with another bounty hunter? So who's the target? Who would Lobo be trying to beat and eventually team up with? Uh, let's let's see what we created. So, Chris, would you like to go first or second with this one? I'll go first. I mean, I, I feel like... I feel like with a crazy character like Lobo, I, I'm glad that we came up with a question that sort of grounds in reality a little bit because this can go off the rails really quick. But so I picked uh, Loki as the target. He's, you know, the god of mischief. He's caused a lot of problems. He needs to be taken out. He's actually hired by Odin. And he con Odin contacts Lo Lobo and says, hey, I need you to get my son, Loki. He needs to be taken out. Thor won't do it. He's he's a bit of a puss and you know, he's not going to kill his own brother. And you have to do it, you know, because I, I know what needs to be done. OK. And Lobo's like, cool. Give me the money. Fine. Unbeknownst to Lobo, um, Odin also hires his daughter Angela. Now, Angela is a creation of Todd McFarland and Neil Gaiman, who was originally an image character. But then after a lawsuit, uh, Angela was brought into Marvel Comics, which is very complicated. And if we ever talk about Angela at some point, we'll get into that. But, you know, she's been part of the Guardians of the Galaxy and she's been she's she's in Marvel Comics and she was revealed as being Thor's and you know, Loki's sister. Yeah. Yeah. She's, she's Loki's half sister. Yeah. She's Loki's half sister. So I think Odin would be like, Hey, I want, if he doesn't do this, 
I want you to take him out because Lobo's also a bad dude and you need to prove yourself. And this is a chance you can take him out and you could take out, you know, your brother um, if uh, if Lobo fails. So he kind of sends both of them, right? Like Odin's kind of playing the playing the game. So Angela and Lobo are both after Loki and Loki's causing trouble. And then they find out that they're both hunting him and then they fight each other. And so I think it would be, um, you know, having this badass, you know, angel bounty hunter and then Lobo <laughs> like kind of going toe to toe to try to find the God of mischief who himself is also just kind of a big troublemaker. I think it would be an interesting um, intergalactic space kind of uh, adventure. Yeah, for sure. That'd be a really good one. What do you have? Okay. So immediately <laughs> what I wanted to come up with is I, I looked up who are some other bounty hunters in comics in general that could go up against Lobo to get the target of this particular what if idea, right? Okay. All right. So I look look up these lists and I realize there's a character that I've been wanting to do an episode on for a little while. We're going to bring on uh, our friend of the show, Mike from Tencent Takes to cover this character. But I th- came up with Death's Head, specifically Death's Head 2, because I prefer that design of the character. It looks absolutely wild. So Death's Head, if people don't know, is this time-traveling character that was charged with essentially being a bounty hunter towards uh, like a one particular transformer. So like in one of the Decepticons, which I'll get into the details of that when we actually cover this episode. So you have this Death's Head 2 who is actually in the body of a character called Cyborg because of reasons, but his mental state of when he was just called Death's Head is now the main personality of this body. He doesn't like to be called a bounty hunter. He prefers to be called a freelance peacekeeping agent. And uh, also time travels. (laughs) But so you're going to have the storyline where Lobo and Death's Head 2 are going to be act, both actively trying to find the space minicon team of Astroscope, Payload, and Skyblast. Now, I, I thought of this because we introduced Death's Head's introduction was a Transformers comic, so it makes sense. He's going to be involved in Transformers here. So we have DC, we have Marvel, and we also have... Now image because Transformers is now an image and Skybound, really. So Skybound. Yes. So lots of crossovers here. So one of my favorite Transformers cartoons was Transformers Armada. And it had a lot of these ideas of minicons. So there's like power linksing, which is when a minicon will land onto a Transformer and unlock a specific ability of a Transformer, make them stronger. However, the space minicon team, so Astroscope, Payload, and Skyblast, they actually can f- come together and they form what's called the uh, Requiem Blaster, which is one of the most powerful things in the Transformers universe. It can just cause absolute destruction. It's been used by both Autobot and Decepticon side. and But they are a trio of minicons that do not want a part in this battle. So they tend to go off and not trying to be found. So in this storyline, I'm going to have Lobo, who has been contracted by the Decepticons, and Death's Head, who has been contracted by the Autobots, to find the Minicons before the opposite team finds them so that they do not fall into the hands of their rival. And in this storyline, they are going to 
show up. They're going to bump into each other multiple times. You know, Death's Head, Lobo going to fight a little bit. They're going to end up finding the trio of Minicons together. And uh, the Minicons, they're not wanna, they're not going to want to be brought back to where they're supposed to go. So rather than becoming that weapon of great power, because it has to be wielded by a another entity, they're actually going to combine to form just a larger transformer and begin to fight against both Lobo and Death's Head. Yeah. And the duo of them are going to have to team up in order to fend off this space minicon team. But in a series of events, Lobo and Death's Head accidentally take out the space minicon team. They, they aren't able to fulfill their contract. And minicons are also considered to be the children of Unicron. So now Unicron is going to be extremely upset that some of his most powerful children have been taken out of the universe, even though Unicron probably doesn't care too much. But in the storyline, he's going to care because, you know, comics and whatever he the writers particularly, said. Uh, yeah, he was particularly fond of those. Can, I think when they form, when they combine together, they should form a giant uh, mech space dolphin. And it makes it really hard Ooh, for yeah. Lobo to like, oh, why did you do that? You know, like, he's like, and he's like, suck it up. Death's head, like, what? what's the problem? He's like, no, 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 more. I can't do it. I can't do it. And then eventually they do it. That's brilliant. I, I like you that. You got to make yes. it hard, right? That's you got to script. I don't know. I don't know why the robots that are space things. So literally, like they literally make this gun, but I don't know why they become a dolphin. But in the storyline, yeah, it's it, like maybe Lobo has some of his dolphins flying by and or death's head captures them in the storyline and then he get lets them loose and then they're like we gotta we gotta take on the form of something how about those things because <laughs> transformers because you know because of course transformers can become anything they want I mean, so of course yeah, space dolphins right yeah but yeah so that's my story so transformers lobo and death's head too i'm all in let's go <laughs> sounds wacky yep <laughs> good times well, uh, let's get on that Marvel <laughs> and, and, and Skybound and, and DC. Skybound. <laughs> All right. Wow. Um, Lobo is a weird character, and I'm glad we finally got to talk about him. Uh, yes. And I feel like I need a I need a break. So I think we, it's time to wrap up <laughs> this episode to kind of calm ourselves down. So it's time to close the book on Lobo. So until next time, this is Chris. And this is Lance. Reminding you to keep your friends close. But your comic books closer. Space dolphins. Fragged, fragged space dolphins.